L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Conversations on life, style, beauty, and relationships. It's the Velvet's Edge podcast with Kelly Henderson. Hey guys, I'm singer-songwriter Lindsay L. And I'm taking over Velvet Edge this week for my friend Kelly. I didn't think twice about stepping in when she asked me to do this so that she could take a break. I'll be your guest host for both the Velvet episode and the Edge episode. And I am so excited to share this time with all of you. Today's Velvet episode is something that is very near and dear to me and my heart. I'm assuming that most of you probably don't know my story, but I'm a two-time sexual um, assault survivor, and it's a personal mission of mine to raise awareness about this widespread issue and to shine a light on all brave survivors. I released a record last year called Heart Theory, and it was my first time writing a song about my story. The song is called Make You, if any of you want to check it out. And um, and it, it has just been incredible being able to see the the response from from fans I, I think i've gotten thousands and thousands of dms after releasing this song from fans um just about how they they see seen for lack of a better word which you will understand in a minute um and it, it's just incredible being able to you know hear some of their stories and then be like Lindsay, i've never i've never had the confidence to to talk about this, but thank you for for giving me that courage. And um, it just goes to show you the power of music and the power of art and the power of standing up for what we believe in and um, not being afraid to talk about things that are difficult to talk about sometimes, because that is the thing I truly believe that is the thing that brings us together as human beings so that we don't all feel alone. So it has become my mission through my music and through every thing that I do um, to be able to be a voice for people. And um, I started my own foundation called the Make You Movement. And I have had the pleasure of working with my guest today on a very special project that perfectly aligns with my mission. When I first met him um, and he outlined what he was working on, I didn't have to think twice about getting involved. So ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to my dear friend, Mr. Dan Heller. Dan, hello. Hey, Lindsay. I'm so happy to be here. How are you doing? 
I am so good. It's so good to hear your voice. Thank you so much for doing this. I, I really, really appreciate it. Um, I, I want to hear a little bit about the scene project, just so people know what we're talking about. And then we're going to get into your background, but, um, but can you just give us like the brief synopsis of what the scene project is? Sure. Yeah. Um, Scene is a collection of photographs that we started about two years ago. I was thinking about it a little bit before that, but um, the idea was to capture victim survivors where they were at in their healing journeys. Um, It's a little bit different than how folks are portrayed. Survivors are portrayed normally in the media. And that was the idea. Um, Survivors are whole people that are struggling to repair things in their past. And too often, I think the media portrays them as perpetual victims because that's the narrative that they want to tell. And the idea here was to listen, first and foremost, to where they were at. And that could run the gamut from... um, from joyous for having crossed that line into a feeling of self-containment and, um, and healing and um, folks that maybe weren't quite ready to share their full stories or even share it with their family. So it's real, it's authentic. And that was another idea uh, behind the project was to capture authentic emotions of the survivors themselves and not to impose on the subject on them my vision as a photographer, but to really collaborate on creating each individual photograph uh, to hopefully tell their stories in the way they wanted to. Goodness gracious, Dan, that's so beautiful. Um, Okay, I wanna know first, when did you first get into photography and how? how? How did it like capture your heart? I have loved photography since forever. My dad used to take a lot of photographs. My brother, Bobby, was a great photographer in Los Angeles for sports and celebrity stuff for years. And occasionally I'd get the opportunity to assist him on some really, really cool things, Um, you know, a variety of uh, projects. So, I mean, Bobby, my brother, he shot Olympics and Super Bowls and World Series. And so his niche was really different from what I do now. But it had always been something I'd been fascinated with. And whenever I went to a museum, I would be drawn to the photography sections all the time. And of course, you know, Edward Weston and Ansel Adams, all the landscape guys always attract me. And, um, you know, a lot of the other portrait photographers, uh, Vivian Mayer, the street, great street photographer, um, and, uh, and so many others. And I was just fascinated with how so much information and so many layered stories could be conveyed in one simple image. I never really was a point in my life where I could devote the kind of time to exploring that side of myself until really just recently, maybe in the last six or seven years, um, I really decided (laughs) we only live once. Uh, It's not a dress rehearsal. And if you want to make time for the things that you really love, um, do it now. So I kind of set my life up in a way where I could do that. And, um, 
it's what I've been focused on quite seriously for the last uh, six or seven years now. That's amazing. I love the thing you said about photographs having different layers. I think that's so beautiful. And when you do look at really, really great photographs, there's just so many dimensions to them. Have you always photographed people or have you photographed landscapes in the same way? Do you have a preference between the two? There are so many things that, that interest me and it's hard, hard to choose, you know, what I might like best, but if you, if you're looking at the world through a lens of would that make a good photograph, or if you're attracted to things that just have a, a compelling interest, I mean, I've photographed landscapes to people, macro photography, um, whatever it is that attracts me, I'm thinking through a certain lens that my photography mentor and, and friend, uh, John Partipillo, um, told me years ago. He and I actually went on a trip to Cuba together and we documented. It was one of my first art exhibits. He and John and I did, uh, we documented um, for a month. We traveled, we basically rented a car and a translator and we drove through Cuba. Um, and so what I learned from John is whatever you're taking, what makes a great photograph are three things. It's composition, lighting, and emotion. Mm. And that was so clarifying for me. And if you think about it, there's so many areas that in life, just in our world, from the, the, the macro level, I mean, I've taken photographs of insects that to me convey those three things or that embody <laughs> those three things. It's like, wow, that photograph is telling me something. What is, what is that little bug or grasshopper trying to tell me there? But, um, but, uh, but yeah, so landscapes, people, what I learned from John too, just being around him, um, you learn just soaking in what a what a master photographer can do in the world and how he operates. And I really studied um, for a month um, how how to photograph people, uh, strangers, and take portraits in the street. Um, so that really informs how how I take photographs now. And of course, as we all evolve, you would know if you look back 10 years ago, how, how has your art changed? How have your your songs, the writing, the content, you, you, you become hopefully, you know, richer and more involved and, and, and more nuanced in what you're presenting. And I like to think some of some of my photographs are leaning in that direction, but um, yeah. I'm I'm always trying to improve. I'm always trying to change. I'm always trying to tell a story in a different way um, with different layers. You know, the photographs with meaning are the ones that um, are the ones that uh, are more compelling to me, whether I'm looking at them as a viewer or, um, or the ones that I attempt to create myself to tell a story. Um, yeah. I don't know if I answered your question. I tend to, no, I think, know. I think that's beautiful. And I think it's actually kind of interesting when you said composition, lighting, and emotion, I, I would definitely say that I do the same thing as a songwriter and lighting would just be capturing it or recording it, you know, but, but, um, and, and really you could take that metaphor to life. Like when we really see ourselves as like living in the moment of where we are in our lives, that is like, really fully understanding the composition, the lighting, if that's a metaphor to like where you are and, and what's around you and, and the emotion of it. Um, 
How did you get involved with the scene project? Was this your idea? How how did it even come to be? Yeah, I yeah, there's so many ways to approach this, and I've thought about it a lot because I and you know, with some of the press that we've been getting, people have been asking me that question, and it 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 uh, it comes from, I guess, uh, an awareness of where we are individually and then where we are in our culture. There's always this interaction. And, you know, with this idea that you don't put your toe in the same river twice, everything is always changing. So you think you go to the same place and you put your toe in, you're different, the river is different. And I think growing up, um, boys and girls in this culture, maybe in cultures all over the world, you just have this sense that bad things happen out there in the world. And you think, well, why, why does this happen? Why does this have to happen? Is this human nature or is there something about the cues that we get from media or our institutions or religion or things that inform the relationships between people that fuel this kind of crime, this interaction, this horribly intimate violence that occurs to people? And it's always been a question for me as to why does this have to happen? Why do, why do people have to treat each other this way? And why do we have to take it for granted? And so growing up, you just, you hear stories, you see things in the media, you know, um, I always loved James Bond, particularly, you know, uh, Sean Connery, you know, growing up, it's like, oh my God, James yeah. Bond, that is the, that is the prototypical male figure that every guy wants to be, you know, but then <laughs> as you experience things and hear stories, you look back on that art on those films and you go, wow, well, geez, James Bond is kind of a rapist. <laughs> you know, he's kind of a, he, he assaults women, you know, yeah. he, he hits them, he beats them up and, and then you, and then they succumb, you know, that whole dynamic of, of the, 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 the man and how seduction occurs, the interrelation, and, and that gets into issues of, of consent. And, you know, it's just this, this muddy water that people are saturated with, and they then suddenly just say, oh, well, this is how it is. This is normal stuff. But I, I totally agree. I think that the way the media portrays the relation between two people is is really scary because you're right. It, it blurs the lines of consent and it, and it essentially, you know, makes it feel so Hollywood that it's like, okay, whoa, 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 wait, no, there, that's not okay. That's not okay. And in a lot of movies, as sexy as a James Bond plot can, can feel, um, yeah, it's, it's scary how commonplace, um, that dynamic is getting. Yeah, it's 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 commonplace. We take it for granted. We we establish that as our our baseline for what normal is. And and then nothing is done, but yet there there are victims at every turn and it happens to friends and family, you know, mothers, daughters, uh sons and 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 fathers. It it happens to everyone and one of the you know, misconceptions, I think, um, that people assume about this is that it's, well, it certainly is mostly women that this happens to, but it happens to men as well. And I think the support systems for, for men, uh, they're getting 
more robust, certainly, but For there's sure. still a there's still a stigma associated to to men that you know well, why did you let this happen to you you know you're not a, a a real man and so there's like this double victimization and men tend not to come forward because of the added layer of shame as shameful it is right. for, for for everybody you know the, i think the suicide rate for for men that this happens to is much higher uh than people would would expect and there's That's so sad yeah yeah so and i, I need to check uh, the numbers on that but that that's something that that I'd heard repeatedly over the years. But anyhow, um, the the long answer that I'm giving you is, uh, is uh, to to reel it back in. Um, you know, I started thinking about about this, and a friend of mine told me about a situation that happened. She was assaulted by a client that she had seen uh, as a massage therapist. She did this sort of specialized massage um, that she had training for for years, and she was drugged and, and assaulted. And when she woke up, there was no question what had happened. And at that time, I was thinking about my life differently, about photography. And I was actually sort of looking for this uh, confluence of, um, of, of challenging art project that had meaning, that something that would connect to not just people in a way, but to some larger social discussion. And yeah. so the, these three things coming together, I thought, well, gosh, this is a little scary to even contemplate, you know, how would I even go pro, how would I even go about doing this? And um, so with, with my friend who told me this story and, uh, and another person, I thought, all right, I'm going to take another step. So I put a little pitch email together and sent it to Rachel Freeman at the sexual assault center. It was the, the, main resource for sexual assault victims and survivors in Nashville. And I didn't hear back from her for a few weeks. I thought, oh my God, this is really bad. You know, it, I just realized non nonprofits are, you know, just very, very busy and very you know, busy, particularly at the top and scarce yeah. resources. So anyhow, she finally got back to me. Uh, she left a lovely, very supportive message and just said, come on in and let's talk more. And this sounds interesting. And after the first meeting, they said, we're in. Let's, what's the next step? Let's create this together. So Amazing. it became a collaboration between Sexual Assault Center, myself, and each individual survivor. That's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. So where are proceeds to the scene project going? So all of the proceeds go to the sexual assault center. We worked out um, an arrangement where they commissioned me for um, the photography and the design of the, the book. And we've released the collection, uh, or let's say the majority of the collection at scenesurvivors.org. Um, and so we have portions of each story there. We have uh, the photographs. And then for the book, we're going to have two more portraits um, and two more stories that will be included in the book once it's published. An exclusive, an exclusive version in the book. And the book is coming soon, right? It'll yeah. be out in a few months, exactly. probably. In a few That's months, yeah. 
If you know anything about me, you know I am a massive creature of comfort. It is one of my top priorities in life to make my surroundings comfortable at all times. So when I found Cozy Earth, I quickly scooped up all of the luxurious bedding and loungewear that I could. It felt very on brand for me, but then I went on a trip with a girlfriend not too long ago where she could not stop commenting on how cute and comfy my pajamas were, which then made me realize they may also be my new favorite travel companion as well. Guys, I am not kidding when I say you will experience unmatched softness and smoothness with all of Cozy Earth's products. The temperature-regulating bamboo joggers and pullover crew add comfort and a touch of style to any travel ensemble, and their bedding comes in the most adorable totes, making it a super easy gift to give anyone. Discover your next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. Visit CozyEarth.com and use our code Velvet's Edge at the checkout for an exclusive 35% off and let them know we sent you when you're at the checkout. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. That's beautiful. I mean, I was recently introduced to Nashville Sexual Assault Center via this project. I was surprised to not know that it even existed. I mean, as a survivor living in Nashville, um, I just think it's amazing that we have a place like the Sexual Assault Center. So that's why it was so important to me to help raise awareness to it. And the minute I met Dan and heard about the scene project and heard about its connection to the sexual assault center. I was like, wow, this is incredible. For those of you that don't know the sexual assault center, also known as the SAC um, in Nashville was started in 1978 by two Vanderbilt university divinity students who saw a need to help victims of rape and sexual abuse. Their vision was to provide support to all survivors of sexual assault and to work to end sexual violence SAC's mission today reflects our founder's vision um, to provide healing for children, adults, and families affected by sexual assault and to end sexual violence through counseling, education, and advocacy. Um, you can learn more about the SAC at saccenter.org. But I just have to say that like, the fact that we have a place like the SAC in Nashville is incredible. They have a 24 hour clinic open that if there is a, a survivor or a sexual assault victim that something unfortunately happens to, there is a, a hotline they can call 24 seven. They can come and get, you know, looked at by a nurse or a doctor and make sure that they are all right, you know, to deal with shock and potentially deal with anything else. Um, I just love that aspect as well as the counseling side, the education side, the advocacy side. It's just such an incredible place. So um, if you want to learn more about the SAC Center, please go check it out.
but um, yeah. they are how, a great organization. Yeah, they really, really are. Yeah, Dan, how did you find all of the survivors that wanted to be involved? So that was a combination of uh, avenues. I would say I knew a couple of people. Um, the first. The next layer, I would say, came from the Sexual Assault Center, and the folks there approached some uh, clients um, or actually employees who had been clients at some point, and we started taking a couple of steps. I said, let's do one. Let's do one photo shoot, and we'll see how it goes. So we did the first, and it turned out uh, really well. The experience was, was I think, really good on, on all sides, and so we got a couple more names. And so um, we did it that way. And then I started reaching out in my circles. Um, we had an intentionality to the project. We wanted it to be inclusive of every type of person that this would happen to. So we wanted to include, you know, the breadth of of our friends and family from, you know, old and young and um, the LGBT community. We wanted to include, um, you know, uh, all races and folks that, that people might just stop and think, wow, this covers the breadth of all of our friends and neighbors. So that was, um, that was really important to us, uh, the, the diversity. And um, I, uh, and so over time, we, we, we got up to, I think we have 16 now, 17 actually folks that are, that are going to be, that are going to be in the book. And so I just reached out and uh, I found, I found you uh, with a Google search and um, so grateful. There's so many questions that I had after our shoot, actually, that you may or may not want to um, share or talk about, but going into that situation, having never met in person before we talked and zoomed, of course, but when we actually met in person, my heart was just racing because I thought, oh, and it's true with everybody I met. It's like, what, what, how do we approach this in a way that isn't a, a trigger, you know, and your shoot was yeah. particularly sensitive because um, of, of where you chose of where to, we went. to be. Yeah. yeah I mean, Dan, so, you can, you can ask me anything. I'm, I'm at this point, just an open book. Um, yeah. That's the way I live my life. But, but yeah, so Dan reached out to me. I think it was originally like an Instagram message or something. And I was like, okay, tell me more about this. And so we all got on the phone and, um, and when he was talking about the scene project and was like, okay, well, where do you think you would like to take your picture, Lindsay? And all of a sudden I, I just immediately, the only thing that popped into my head was, well, it should be at the house where my second attack happened, which is in Nashville. And um, I won't even say what neighborhood it's in, but, but it's in a neighborhood that I have had to drive around the streets around this house for years. I've been living in Nashville for 10 years and I, I couldn't remember um, what, you know, my, my second attack, I couldn't remember what his face looked like, what his name was, um, you know, I was, I was drugged as well. And it was a lot more violent than my first attack, but, um, but I, I couldn't remember any of those things. However, I could remember the house and I could remember, you know, standing on that street corner after it happened, just feeling completely lost and dirty and alone and not knowing what happened and violated and, 
and um, I know this is getting really real, but um, but when when you asked me, Dan, where should we take that picture? It was the only location that popped in my head, and I was like, goodness gracious, Lindsay, you can't you can't find like a strong location anywhere else, and and yet I have to say that there was a very important process in my healing journey because I think that we're constantly healing through our traumas throughout our whole lives. I don't think that the healing ever stops to a certain extent, but, um, but there was a very important part of my healing journey going back to that house and facing my fears and being able to stand on that front porch being like, okay, I'm stronger now. We can't always control the things that happen to us, but we can control how we deal with them, how we react to them, our attitude towards those things. And being able to stand on that porch and, you know, we, we took, um, the pictures during golden hour. So, you know, there was, there was sun and there were shadows and there was all this like light and darkness. And I was able to like stand there in strength being like, okay, this happened years ago, but I am now back at the same place it happened. And, and it, it, it just, I don't know. It was a very important turning point for me. So thank you honestly for, for letting me face that fear and, and give me the bravery to do that. Did all survivors go back to that vulnerable of a location? Potentially did any other survivor go back to where something happened? Yes. And, um, to, to add just a, a tad to our shoot, I was inside of myself. Part of the reason my heart was racing is because I knew the significance of this location. And I was looking for signs in you of maybe, maybe it was too much. Maybe it was, and I could tell that it was somewhat rattling, but I was so inspired and impressed with how you kind of sat in that moment and you experienced it. We did the shoot. You took a deep breath and it felt for me watching this sort of unfold and capturing some of these moments. It felt for me like it was, it was a, a genuine, like a, a catharsis or, or it was a pivotal moment for you. And hearing you say this is sort of um, exciting and inspiring because we've never talked about it in this detail before. So yeah. thank you for sharing all that. Of um, course. I well, I, I, I remember the moment, sorry to cut you off, but I remember the moment sitting in my car. And at that point I hadn't met you in person yet. We just had sat on zoom, but um, I remember sitting in my car, looking at the house, watching you set up and being like, Oh my goodness, here we go. And I was like taking deep breaths and I was parked across the street and I was just like, can I do this? This is, this is scary. But I truly believe that the only way to face our fears is to do it and to show up and to, and to put yourself in that spot. Because otherwise, if we just constantly avoid the things that we're afraid of, or the emotions we're afraid to to, to experience or the people we're afraid to confront, you know, if, if we live a life constantly in avoidance and procrastination, we're never going to get anywhere. And if anything, avoidance and procrastination just builds up into these bigger, deeper voids in our life. And yes. And so, um, so yeah. Whew. Yeah. That what you just said is really it. And it's really one of the main, um, I guess, dr uh, drivers of the project is that the sooner people talk about this in a, in a, in an environment that's supportive, you'll find your community, you'll find your support as soon as you shed light on it. 
and it's it's you can start the healing sooner. You know, it's going to be a struggle for every body, but the sooner you talk about it in a community that has uh, the supportive resources, or at least people that listen and validate and and acknowledge what has happened, the the sooner you can heal and live your life. And the step that you took, incredible courage. Uh, there are two other people that in in this collection that that lean toward a similar sort of environment. One was Jenna. Her story is in the book. She's also a, a tremendous songwriter, um, beautiful voice. She's in the book and she wanted to be photographed in her apartment in the the bed that this happened. It was uh, sort of a, da- wow. a, date, a date rape situation and uh, took her completely by surprise. And um, But she has to live in this apartment. She couldn't move or didn't move. Oh, yes. goodness gracious. I know. Yeah. So her story. I would need some sage up in there. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Smudge that. Smudge that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So she's been, she's been doing that work for a long time. And it, 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 you know, from our shoot, there was clearly some anxiety. She, um, you know, powered through it. And um, I haven't had this detailed a conversation with her, but it's my understanding and what she said that she had a similar sort of catharsis and um she had also filmed um you know she's in the entertainment business so she had used that uh setting for um uh, a song um that she had wrote as well but the third person um was a woman named hannah and her story is uh just devastating it's detailed in in the book but she was trafficked um on Murfreesboro Road in Nashville for seven or eight years and just in the last um few years she's come out of it through work at the sexual assault center got tremendous therapy and and, um she was able to to go back to the place of her track trafficking and um take photographs that when she saw them I it made me feel good as you know the to capture these moments where people can see themselves in the way that they would, that they feel inside, but the world doesn't see them that way. Or, um, you know, they look at themselves and she asked me, she says, do you see me that way? And I said, yes, you know, strong and beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, and the picture that we captured, um, is is really really strong and it just for an artist for a photographer if you can have that sort of impact it is the best feeling in the world really to to touch and i'm sure as a songwriter people come to you through through your song uh and uh, make you and they they say you know this this really helped me heal these are the kinds of I mean, it's the best feeling, isn't it? It, It's really the best feeling. And I love hearing you say that, Dan. I mean, that's just so beautiful. It goes to show you the power of a picture and the power of a song, you know, the power of art in general, being able to capture like these multidimensional feelings and also let people feel seen again, for lack of a better word, but like be able to bring up and spotlight those emotions that are very difficult and fragile and delicate to show in a, in a normal human world that, that we live in every day. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? 
Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. You know, I, I love when you said the scene project focuses on victim survivors at whatever stage they are at in their healing. Again, to like find the right photograph or find the right story. You know, some maybe this happened a long time ago and somebody has been able to get lots of therapy from it and and feels strong and feels confident to stand in a place of, okay, this happened to me, but but I'm owning it as part of my story and it's made me into who I am. And I'm somewhere in the midst of that world, but maybe this has either happened more recently or maybe this, this has happened to somebody who hasn't even ever told a soul and you were one of the first people that, that they shared their story with. And you not only took photographs of everyone, but you also had to interview them and learn about their story to be able to write about it a little bit. And so were there any people that you talked to that ended up either not being able to do it or just having really, really tough days and not being able to, to go some places? Mm. That's a good question. Um, not explicitly that I that I know of. There were a few people that we had approached that ended up not doing it for one reason or another. Um, but there were few. Most of the time, people that I had met with and SAC had met with, they said, I'm, I'm in. And I would say 95%. There was just a hand, uh, maybe two or three folks that who we had approached, who we thought we'd do a shoot with, ended up not doing it. But it's it's expected and it's fraught. And I would totally understand. And one of the things I said, I said, at any point, if you feel like you, you don't want to do this, right up until the day, um, this is your story and it'll be totally fine. And we want to make sure that that one, you're, you feel comfortable, you're in a safe environment. Bring a friend, you know, bring bring a loved one with you to the shoot. Um, um, and and some people did, some people didn't. But um, we wanted people to just know that they were they, that they were listened to, they were seen, yeah. validated, yeah. Um, and and supported in the way at every step. 
during during the pre-interview, which was very important, and then during the shoot itself, and then in all the follow-up, we wanted to make sure that the stories that were written about them were absolutely true, that there were no triggers in there. That So it went through several filters, and we're still sort of in that process to make sure that we're being absolutely true to their stories and that they're presented to the world for all time in the way that represents where they are now. That was absolutely essential to the, the, the heart of the story. And, um, I, I, yeah, go ahead. No, I, I think that's so beautiful. I mean, again, this, this project is very powerful and even just getting, you know, these group, this group of, of strangers and humans together. Um, I almost would love to like, I don't even know if it would be possible for us to all get together in person to be able to be like, wow, we're all a part of this. Um, I need to ask you, okay, you've, you've collected all these photographs, these stories, you know, we, we have the website, which we will definitely post up. The book is on its way. Where do you hope the scene project goes from here? Uh, yeah, another great question. I think, uh, you know, it started as just a couple of portraits when I um, approached SAC, you know, sort of um, a pro bono project initially, and then it evolved into something different as it grew, it got broader and bigger, and it still continues to evolve. So we expect that SAC, and it was commissioned, so they're going to essentially take the ball from here once the book is published. I'm going to be available for, um, you know, talks as needed and these kinds of things. I've got other projects in the pipeline, and I'm thrilled that they want me to be um, as involved as I am uh, at at this level to help tell the stories. But um, I'd really, really uh, imagine that, that survivors will be guests on podcasts, that they will share their stories, that um, the book will be used uh, to um, in public forums to uh, talk about key issues like, uh, like consent, uh, which is really the, the heart of everything, about other cultural issues that are tied in. How is it that little boys grow up with a certain mentality about, about women? And why is it that women feel like this is the you know, this is okay, or they rationalize it, you know, those really, the DNA of, of why all this happens, I'm hoping this book will help stimulate those discussions. And yeah. then also, also maybe um, inspire people that haven't shared these stories to, to finally do so. And one really unexpected aspect of this is that when I would have a pre-interview with a potential participant, I would find out later that they hadn't shared any of it with their family. Yeah. And, and it was very, very common to my experience as well, as well as when you were talking about trafficking, I was floored to hear like how trafficking is such a commonplace issue around our own cities and towns, like right around the corner from where we live yeah. From where anybody lives, like trafficking is far more of an issue than we even want to admit. And it's a very difficult thing to talk about. And especially sex trafficking for kids, like it, it's just a really hard thing to even wrap your head around. But, um, but this happens often. And, um, and, and there are a lot of, of survivors who are out there and who need help. And so Dan, I just commend you. I commend you for 
coming up with the idea for the scene project, for bringing it to, you know, the, the SAC Center in Nashville. And um, thank you so much for letting me be a part of this. If, if people want to check out the scene project, please go to scenesurvivors.com. That's S-E-E-N survivors.com. And if you want to learn more about the Nashville Sexual Assault Center, that's sacenter.org. So sacenter.org. Um, I can't thank you enough, Dan, for being on this episode with me today. I want to remind all of you that I will be back on Friday's episode of The Edge. Um, I totally agree with Kelly that everyone has a little bit of velvet and also a little bit of edge. Um, and as Kelly and Chip always like to say, remember when you're living on the edge, always remember to act casual. Thank you so much, Dan. Thank you, Lindsay. It's been a pleasure. I really appreciate you having me on. <laughs> we'll see you soon. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Velvet's Edge podcast with Kelly Henderson, where we believe everyone has a little velvet and a little edge. Subscribe for more conversations on life, style, beauty, and relationships. Search Velvet's Edge wherever you get your podcasts. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.